Listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. It's a new week here on I Love Old Time Radio. Welcome, Old Time Radio fans. I'm your host, Virtual Vinny. You can interact with us via social media on our Facebook page at I Love Old Time Radio or on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. You can send feedback via our contact form on our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com or you can leave a voice message using the anchor.fm app. If you enjoyed this program, please take the time to rate and review us at review.iloveoldtimeradio.com. This episode is brought to you in part by the I Love Old Time Radio Patreon page. As a Patreon member, you'll help me continue to bring all these great Golden Age shows, upgrade our equipment, keep the website going, and more. Plans start at just $2 a month, but if you pledge $6 or more, you get access to the Vintage Radio Podcast, a look at series that were an hour or more that include Lux Radio Theater, CBS Radio Mystery Theater, and the Mercury Theater on the air, just to name a few. This week on the Vintage Radio Club, the Lux Radio Theater presents a melodrama about an old farmer who loves to hunt foxes and his favorite hunting dog. It's called The Voice of Bugle Ann. To listen, join our Patreon page at vintage.iloveoldtimeradio.com. I Love Old Time Radio produces a new show every Monday through Friday each day with a different theme. Monday's Crime Does Not Pay on the Shadow. This episode originally aired on October 25th, 1942, and it's called The Mystery of Madman's Deep. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Once again, your neighborhood blue coal dealer brings you the thrilling adventures of the shadow. The hard and relentless fight of one man against the forces of evil. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. No need to worry about heat this winter. Blue coal dealers everywhere are delivering astrocyte as fast as wartime transportation facilities will permit. There'll be some coal in every bin, enough for immediate need. That's the goal of your friendly blue coal dealer. You can help him by being patient and cooperative, by permitting your dealer to deliver just the amount of coal that you require for immediate comfort. Don't insist that a full winter's supply be delivered at once. There's enough coal to go around. But at present, the supply must be equally shared by everyone. The shadow... Mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order is, in reality, Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and mysterious secret. The secret of hypnotic power to crowd men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama... The Mystery of Madman's Deep. Far, far down in the icy waters of the sea lay the end of a quest, 
a quest for a secret by which men might make the dead live again. Moving slowly through a deep fog, we follow the narrow road that is to lead to the answer to the mystery of the Madman's Deep. Well, it seems to me the road should have made a left turn here. Well, this heavy fog would lift. Oh, Lamar, now don't tell me you're lost. Lost? <laughs> Why? I know every foot of this country around here. Oh, look out! Huh? <sighs> See? I was right. The road did make a left turn. If we kept on this way, we'd have gone right over the cliff and into the ocean. How oh, jolly. You know, Margot, we must be rather close to Madman's Deep. Well, whatever Madman's Deep is, I'm sure it must be something quite delightful to stay away from. <laughs> Years ago, a madman leaped into it from the cliffs there. As his body was never recovered, the legend arose that the waters go down to the center of the earth. Let's get out and have a look around. All right. Yeah, it's this spot, all right. Madman's Deep is somewhere down there in the pond. What was that? Well, it was queer, wasn't it? So? What the fuck? Yeah, it sounds like it's down there someplace. Can't see a thing, though. Fog's getting thicker every second. Yes, if you ask me, I'm staying right here until it clears, too. I'm not taking any more chances on you turning right when the road turns left. <laughs> oh, say, come to think of it, I, I know a man who was a home near here. Oh, really? Suppose while we're waiting, we drop in on him. Should be a path leading to the place over this way. Oh, no, wait, wait. I guess it's over this way. Now, look. You sure it isn't over that way? Oh, no. That way would lead down to the beach. Come along. I know this bit of the country perfectly. Who in the world would have a home out here in this bleak place anyway? Oh, he's quite famous. Used to be head of a big perfumery concern in France. Maybe you've heard of him, Pierre Le Maire. Pierre Le Maire? No. The name leaves me colder than fog. <laughs> I presume we built this house out here to be close to the sea. They find it a bit gloomy. And what does Lemaire do? Live in a bat-infested attic and come out only at night? <laughs> no. He lives with his daughter and a Dr. Pace. Dr. Pace and Lemaire are engaged in biological research. Remember reading in the papers a year or so ago about protozoic extract? That's Lemaire's discovery. Well, not those crazy articles about the stuff that keeps you living forever. Oh, no, they weren't so crazy as they seemed. Oh, Lamar. Lemaire has a rather sound foundation for his theory. Hello. Say, this was the path to the beach after all. <laughs> yes, so I see. You can't run the car into the ocean. You're going to walk into it. Oh, and you know every foot of this country. Well, I... Come on. Someone's coming. Yes. Why, Miss Lemaire? Oh, it's, it's Mr. Cranston, isn't it? Yes, what's wrong? My, my brother, he's, he's been drowned. Oh, no. Drowned? His yacht was wrecked here in Madeline's Deep. But when did it happen? I don't know when it happened. My father spent a great deal of time on the boat. He kept it moored here. There was a laboratory. Yes, I know, but what... He'd been working there for about six days. This morning when I came down for a walk on the beach, I... I saw a wreckage floating on the water. Thick furniture. But that doesn't necessarily mean... And the yacht was gone. Uh, setting off depth charges now to see what they can win up to the surface. Oh, dear, I am so sorry. Mr. Mayor. Mr. Mayor, Sheriff Cunningham is the man of... Oh, uh, my name is Cranston. I'm a friend of Mr. Lemaire. I'm Grover Teague. Mr. Teague was also a friend of my father's. He's a director of the Biological Foundation. Oh, yes. Mr. Lemaire, they've found the body... Here they are. Let me see. 
Let me see him. I wouldn't if I was you, miss. He, he's been in the water for quite a while. But I was. I think she's right. You'd better let him. Oh. No. No, it isn't my father. It's the servant who was with him, Whitley. You might as well take him along, Sheriff. Yes, sir. And the boat did go down. My father's dead. Miss Lemaire, there's nothing anyone can say at a time like this, but your father, during his life, contributed a great deal to science. And his work will go on. The large endowment he made to the Biological Foundation. Endowment? I'm not aware of any endowment he made to the Biological Foundation. Well, I, uh, I'm simply assuming. I, I mean, he often mentioned that he intended... No one will know what my father intended until his will has been read. Naturally. It... I shouldn't even have suggested the matter. May I take you home now? No, no, I, I can go by myself. You don't want to go back to that empty house. Dr. Pace is there, and I... I'd rather walk back alone. Yes, Miss Lemaire, I know how you feel. I don't suppose any of us can do anything, really. No, nothing. My... My father's gone down to the bottom of Madman's Deep. And no one ever returns from there. Who is it? Guy, Dr. Pace, Judith. Found Whitley's body, that's all. And Mr. Lemaire? I never found him. Why are you so interested, anyway? If the wreck didn't occur too long ago, there, there might still be a chance of saving him. Don't talk like a fool. Mr. Lemaire is dead. So were those tadpoles when we injected the protozoic extract into them. But they're alive now. You can't overcome death. Science can overcome anything. But stupidity. Oh, I'm stupid, am I? Very. If your stuff's so good, why didn't it bring the guinea pig to life? We made a slight mistake for the guinea pig. We used the same solution that we used for the tadpoles. And tadpoles are cold-blooded animals. They live in water. <laughs> the guinea pig turned into an underwater creature which couldn't live in the air. We didn't find it out until it had died. Hmm, too bad you didn't find uh, that Mr. Mayor could be turned into an underwater creature before his boat went down. However, I have corrected the solution. It'll work very nicely now. It'll even work with Mr. Lemaire. When they find him, I shall inject the solution into his heart. Oh, Robert, have the apparatus all set up in the laboratory, ready to begin the moment they bring his body home. The final test, the supreme test. The dead, made to live. Oh, you're insane. So is Lemaire. Spending all that money to scoop up stuff out of the ocean, trying to make an elixir of life out of it. Completely insane. Oh, don't worry about the money. He had plenty left. Not that you'll get any of it. Why, what do you mean? Who else would he leave it to? I'm his daughter. Are you indeed, Miss Dawson? Dawson? You recognize your own name, don't you? In case you've forgotten your family history, your real father's name was Henri Dawson. My father? After he died, your mother married Mr. Lemaire. At that time, you were five years old. Pierre Lemaire adopted me. Oh, yes? When? When I was a little girl in Paris. How odd. Because I looked into your adoption records. There aren't any. Why, you... So you... all these years you put in scheming to get your fingers on Lemaire's fortune have come to nothing. I... I've got to pay you for this. Yes? And I would. Except I can think of something better. 
Yes, much better. Wait. Where are you going? Come out of that laboratory. So all the years I've spent here have been wasted, have they? Get out of this laboratory. No, so have all the years you've spent here. So have all your crazy experiments. They've been equipping alone. There's been nothing but broken glass. Bill's count. Don't, don't for the love of things. Get to life, please. No. No doubt you think you'll get his money. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Commissioner Weston speaking. Oh, yes. Uh, tell Mr. Cranston to come on in. Cranston? Uh, There's a friend of mine, Mr. Teague. I have an appointment with him, if you don't mind. Not in the least, Commissioner. As a matter of fact, I know Mr. Cranston. I met him four years ago. Ah. Hello, Mr. Cranston. Remember me? Why, yes, of course. How are you, Mr. Teague? Very well, thank you. It's been some time since we've seen each other. Exactly four years. The mayor was drowned on the 16th of October, 1938. Night his yacht was wrecked in a bad storm. The 16th of October, 1938? Well... It has been a long time. All right, Cranston, what do you know about the man? Oh, nothing, nothing, except he went down aboard his yacht and his body never has been recovered. I've been telling the commissioner there have been some new developments. You may recall Dr. Pace. Well, he has produced a letter signed by the mayor and dated October 1939. October 19... October 1939? Well, that's a year after the mayor's death. Yes. And Pace claims that Le Maire is still alive. What became of him after the port was wrecked in the storm? Where has he been? Well, perhaps the letter was written before the wreck and simply misdated. Have you yourself seen the letter, Mr. Teague? Oh, yes. Dr. Pace even allowed me to make a photostatic copy of it. I have it right here. Yeah. 12 10th, 1939, my dear Dr. Pace, is feeling somewhat better now, although the wreck was a dreadful experience. Why, well, he mentions this wreck. Yes. Well, you see, the letter couldn't have been written before the wreck of Miss Davis. Uh, oh, pardon me, Commissioner. I'm leaving for France in a few days. Whatever is left of my fortune is yours to proceed with our experiments. That is an obvious forgery. Pace is trying to get hold of Lemaire's estate. Who inherited Lemaire's estate, anyway? No one as yet. As his body was never found, the will won't be read until the court declares Lemaire legally dead. But his only direct heir is his daughter. However, I'm not interested in the will. No, Cranston. Mr. Teague is a trustee of the Biological Institute. Lemaire was an officer, and some of the Institute's funds are tied up with his estate. And I'm I trying to find some way of getting them released. If we can prove that Lemaire really drowned... Of course he was drowned. I'm not so sure he was drowned. Well, I understand the reason. Well, I'll settle the question. I'll send a diver down into Madman's Deep. Good, Commissioner. But the first thing I'd do would be to have a talk with his Dr. Pace. He might prove interesting. Merely to get some information, Doctor. About Pierre Mayor. Oh. Well, come in. Come in, please. Uh, this is my laboratory. I, I live here, too. I, I've been a little pressed for cash lately. I understand you were Mr. Lemaire's assistant, Dr. Pace. Fifteen years we worked together. We were on the brink of a tremendous discovery. We would have abolished death. Come here, come here. Let me show you. There's tadpoles even swimming about. Yes. Once they were dead. We restored them to life. 
That was more than five years ago. It's true, they never became frogs, but they're still alive. The dead made to live. Uh, in your opinion, Doctor, what I happened? the same experiment with the dead guinea pig, but the solution was wrong. The guinea pig turned into an underwater creature. An underwater creature? Yes, we didn't realize it could only remain in the air for short periods. So it died. Then I corrected the solution. But before I could try it, Judith Lamer spilled the, spilled the protozoic extract we'd been years in preparing. I could kill her. I could kill her. Hey. I'm sorry. Fifteen years of research wasted. I, I haven't the money to go on with it now. Dr. Face, when was the last time you saw Pierre Lemaire alive? Mr. Lemaire is still alive. Judith Dalton tried to murder him, wrecked his boat. Judith Dalton? That's her real name. Dalton, not Lemaire. Huh? Dr. Face, we're sending down a diver into Madman's Deep what? to look for Lemaire's body. But, but Lemaire didn't drown. He isn't there. He's alive. Well, we'll find out about that anyway. Even if he had drowned, it's been four years. There'll be nothing left of him. There'll be enough to determine whether or not he did drown. I thought you might like to cooperate with us. I don't know anything about it. Talk to Judith. She's the one who wrecked the yacht. Ask her. That's uh, an excellent suggestion. We shall ask her. Good evening, Dr. Pace. Evening, Doctor. And thank you. Uh, before we're through with this, I wouldn't be surprised if we had a killer to deal with. Judith Lemaire? Oh, don't be naive. How would a woman wreck a boat? Something a man would figure out. I suspect the man was Dr. Pace. Uh-huh. And the motive? He wanted the old man's fortune. He assumed the money would be left to carry on the experiment. Uh-huh. Then after he'd killed Lemaire, he became afraid the estate would go to Judith. So he trumped up that fake letter, naming himself as a beneficiary. Uh-huh. Perfectly logical deduction. Even brilliant. Well, thanks. Except that it's 100% wrong. Wrong? I don't think either Judith Lemaire or Dr. Pace wrecked the boat. I don't think either one of them were killers. I'm not even certain Lemaire was drowned. The servant was drowned, wasn't he? If Lemaire was aboard that yacht, he must have been drowned, too. Oh, I feel certain Lemaire was aboard the yacht, all right. In fact, I feel certain that he's still there. What on earth are you talking about? If Lemaire's on the boat, he's dead. A man can't live underwater for four years. Cranston, don't tell me you believe that this protozoic stuff could keep a man alive underwater. <laughs> well, I might be able to tell you more about that when I come up from the bottom of Madman's Deep. When you come up, yes. You see, I'm going down with the diver. In just a moment, we'll return to the shadow. But right now, here are some answers to the letters that so many of you have sent John Barclay. Mr. Barclay, here's a question asked by many people. I have an eight-room house and only two tons of anthracite in my bin. My dealer has assured me that this is ample for immediate requirements. How long can I expect this cold to last under normal weather conditions? The answer to that question, Ken, is that in the average eight-room house with normal construction, a ton of coal should last from four to five weeks. And by sharing equally, everyone can be comfortably warm this winter. And now, back to the shadow. diving for seven years, Mr. Clanton. This job will be a cinch. And you don't feel we'll have any trouble finding it? We'll find what's left of her. And uh, what's left of Mr. Lemaire. But after four years, it won't be much. You ready? Yep. Yeah. There's a telephone in your diving helmet, so you and me can talk back and forth to each other and the pump crew here. Fine, fine. Well, let's get going. 
Okay, Jerry. You can pass on ahead, Jim. Right. We're going down. Who's there? 
certain I saw that door open. No one. <laughs> well, P. Huh? Why did you kill Pierre Lemaire? I must be losing my senses. Gotta get a grip on myself. See the thing through this far. I must go to pieces now. Why did you kill him? That voice again. Who are you? Where are you? I am the shadow. I'm right here. You can't see me because I've clouded your mind. Why did you kill Pierre Lemaire? I didn't. I didn't kill him. You went aboard his yacht at night. On the deck, you encountered Lemaire's servant. No. You killed him, knocked him overboard. No. Then through the cabin window, you shot Lemaire. He didn't have lie. And after that, you opened the seacocks. Oh. Why did you do it? And after that, men deep had guarded your secret so carefully. Why did you want a diver sent down? I won't answer you. You'll answer now. You'll hear my voice talking to you the rest of your life. No. In the quiet of your room. When you mingle with crowds, when you turn out your lights to sleep, no. you'll never know any rest, any peace. No, no. You'll never escape me wherever you go. You'll hear me. You'll always hear me. Wait. Wait, Alice. Yes. Yes, I did kill the man. And his servant, too. Why? Because the man had agreed to will me his fortune. All of us. Will it to you? Yes, I'm a trustee of the Biological Institute. I promised him I'd use the money only for research. But you had other plans, is that it? Not at first. I intended to carry out his wishes. I swear I did. And then... Then I began thinking all that money could be mine, mine. I could take it for my own and no one would be the wiser. Go on. Don't be half crazy. I couldn't wait for him to die a natural death. Oh, so you killed him? Yes. Expected to get the money right away. Then this fool, Dr. Pace, produced that letter. I was afraid he'd make the court believe Lemaire was still alive. Afraid it would be years and years before the will was open and the money turned over to me. And that's why you wanted to establish Lemaire's death? It was the only way I could get the money. I took a chance. I thought that in four years all traces of the crime would be obliterated. Nothing left of Lemaire but a few bones. Well... Now you know why I did it. Now you know. Hello. Yes, this is Commissioner Weston's office. The gentleman of the press model. Uh-oh. Well, I'm afraid you'll have to talk to Commissioner Weston about the Lemaire case. He solved it personally. Yeah, you're quite welcome. Bye. So he solved the case personally. Well, except for a few details. Oh, of course, he did make a slight mistake in suspecting Dr. Pace and Judith Lemaire, and but... totally uh... overlooked Mr. T. Lamont, what made you suspect him? Well, Margot, he tripped himself up in several ways. He said Lemaire's yacht was wrecked on the evening of October 16th, 1938. Well? And yet Judith Lemaire, who discovered the wreck, didn't know herself when it had happened. Lemaire had been away from home aboard the yacht for six days. But I don't see... Well, the boat might have gone down any one of those six days, Margot. How would Tink have known which one? Yet he gave the exact date. Oh, why, Frank? He mentioned October 16th because it was indelibly written in his mind. It was the night he killed Pierre Lemaire. And even though no one even thought at the time of accusing him, his own feeling of guilt prompted him to manufacture an alibi. An alibi? Yes. He told Commissioner Weston a bad storm had wrecked the boat. Well, I checked back through the weather reports. 
And in that vicinity, during the week of October 16th, there were no bad storms. And now here's Blue Coal's heating expert, John Barclay. Thank you, Ken Roberts. This afternoon, I have a hint for you ladies. And you'll find it very useful, I'm sure. You know how many colds your family suffers during the winter and early spring. But perhaps you don't realize how many of those colds are caused by the hot, dry air of an overheated house. That kind of heat, in addition to absorbing the natural moisture we need in the air, also dries out and damages furniture. Yet it's an extremely simple matter to remedy this condition and provide your home with the right amount of moisture. Just get one of those long, narrow hot water pans which attach right onto the backs of the radiators. They're designed to hang out of sight, and the water they contain is gradually evaporated by the radiator heat, and so provides the needed moisture in the room. You'll find that these pan humidifiers really do a wonderful job of keeping rooms far more comfortable with helpful moisture. And in this way, they reduce the chance of catching or spreading colds and illness. And friends, remember this. Your support of the great drive against infantile paralysis is urgently needed. So join the March of Dimes. Send your contributions to the White House, Washington, D.C., today. Today's adventure is based on a story copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. All the characters and all the places named are fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Shadow Magazine is now on sale at your local newsstand. <laughs> the weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next week, same time, same station, Blue Coal, America's finest anthracite, will again present another thrilling adventure of the shadow. Be sure to listen and be sure to burn Blue Coal, the solid fuel for solid comfort. You're listening to I Love Old Time Radio with your host, Virtual Vinny. Welcome back. It wasn't terribly hard to figure out who the murderer was. In stories like this, the killer always gives too much information. You know, sometimes less is more. And that's going to conclude our show here on I Love Old Time Radio. This program can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and our host, Anchor.fm. For a full list, visit our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com and find the best location that suits you. You can also listen to us on your Alexa device through TuneIn or iHeartRadio. Like us on Facebook at I Love Old Time Radio. Follow us on Twitter at I Love OT Radio. Comments and questions can be directed to our website at iloveoldtimeradio.com or leave a voice message using the Anchor.fm app. If you'd like to help support this show, you can do so with a one-time donation or join our Patreon page at support.iloveoldtimeradio.com. Tomorrow we'll be playing a new episode of Our Miss Brooks and join us back next Monday for some more with The Shadow. For iloveoldtimeradio.com, this is Virtual Vinny 
Signing off.